Utopia floating rate debt deals. But also the crunch on the other side is that expenses went up. And I'm sure if you own any type of business, you feel this, right? Inflation mm -hmm. went up for 10% for a couple of years there. And then coupled with insurance, insurance probably tripled. Mm -hmm. And the taxes have tripled in some of these better growing areas. So with that, there went your cash flow, right? To exasperate the problem. Hey guys, today I have a very special guest I want to introduce to you on today. So we're going to be talking about, you know, stepping up, moving up. I'm in a transition where I'm starting to do more deals, bigger deals and things like that. So I wanted to talk to an investor on today who went from single family to more commercial and exponentially grew his business. So on today's episode, I want you to dig in. I want you to listen very, very closely. If you have high aspirations of truly being a full-time passive real estate investor, you need to listen to this episode. So in the meantime, let's jump right in. I'll see you on the other side um, of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. The We Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria, widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Marcus Maloney, and you all know that this is a great time to be a real estate investor. No matter what you hear in the media, no matter what you read, it's always a great time to buy cash flow and assets. So today, what we want to do, we want to talk to Lane Kawaoka, who's in Hawaii, and he's a previous engineer, or I would always say he's an engineer, but he pivoted and he started buying single family rentals. So we're going to dig into his story on today to see why he started with real estate investing, what he's doing now and what he's planning to do in the future. So Lane, man, welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. All right, Lane. So for those who don't know, uh, kind of give us your backstory. What did you do pre-real estate and why did you get into real estate? Yeah, so I kind of grew up in the family. We're, we're all taught to be, you know, pretty frugal with our money and then go to school, study hard. Maybe I just happened to be good at math and science. So I eventually became an engineer, you know, start first day at work. I can't remember. We went out. I was out in Seattle, Washington. We ended up in like Pasco, Washington at the end of the day. And I was like, you know, it was kind of cool to travel, but I was like, man, I don't want to do this every day. <laughs> right. And, you know, again, like I was making a good salary, right? Like, so I'll, I'll work with a lot of accredited investor clients who, mm -hmm. you know, make six figures, multiple six figures. And the key for me at the time was just saving up my money. At the time I was able to save 30, 40, 50 grand um, okay. in a year. And 
So I, I saved up a few years to go buy a house because that was, again, what we're all brainwashed to think, right? Buy a house to live in. Mm -hmm. And I, here again, I had this house to myself. I'm a young 20, you know, 26 year old, I think. And I'm like, well, this is kind of silly because I was traveling all over for work, right? Like right. on my construction projects and only home on Saturday. And I just was like, well, let me just rent this out. And this is like a decade before like Toro and all these things came out. Okay. And, but, you know, there's obviously the infrastructure for that because you have a property manager and then you kind of take care of everything for you. And mm -hmm. a couple months went by and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool, right? Like my mortgage was like 1600 and my rents were like 2200 And, you know, I knew nothing about rent to value ratios or like the 50% rule for expenses. Mm -hmm. All I knew I was making like, few hundred bucks in the Delta there. And I was like, wow, this is great beer money, you know? Right. <laughs> and then I just kind of, that was kind of where it all started. I got that taste of cash flow and I realized, well, if I just did this, you know, handful of more times, I'll be on the path to escaping the rat race and then eventually quitting this engineering job that I just started that I didn't really like. Okay. So, so let me ask you this because you said something that was really intriguing right there. You were an engineer. You had no back, back experience in real estate, and you decided to rent the property out. How did you know, like, where did you get your education? How did you know what to rent it for? How did you find a property manager? Things like that. So people will understand, you know, kind of it's, it's not rocket science in order to do this, right? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I was like a total noob. I I just called up an old landlord that I had back in college that I rented to, you know, me and my friends. And because uh, I was like, well, it seems like you do this for a living. Actually, I didn't know about property managers, right, at the time. Right. And then she was really helpful. Obviously, she was really helpful because there was a commission in there for her or expense, you know, a monthly expense fee. So, I mean, I, I, did, I knew like absolutely nothing, right, at that point. But, you know, it's when you get, interested in something at least for me when i start to make money i get really interested in it and i start to like really get more i bust out my spreadsheet being an engineer and i really start to dig into the numbers and mm -hmm. you know i started to learn more about buying property no this my first property was like an a-class rental in seattle okay you know something where i would want to live right it wasn't the best rental. Number one, it was in right. Seattle, Washington, where it's really overpriced and you're not going to get the rent to value ratios where you're going to be at a cash flow. And it was more on the higher end, right? Today, we mm -hmm. kind of focus more on that B class rental property. So the next property I bought was a duplex. It's still in Seattle, right? Where I could okay. drive to it. I don't know why, because I wasn't doing any <laughs> rehab. Or, yeah, I was going to ask you that. I didn't know anything about wholesaling. You know, I never did any of that type of stuff. I just was always a buy and hold, 20% down payment down type okay. of investor. Which were, you know, today we do apartments. So, you know, back mm -hmm. then it was a little bit of admittedly a buy, hope and pray strategy. You know, buy okay. something, you you hope it works. And then you pray that it kind of cash flows. And because there was no value add processes mm -hmm. back then. Um and this was around 2012 when I had like three units in Seattle. That second okay. property was more of like a B class, a little lower end duplex, mm -hmm. at least what I was used to. And then started to buy properties in Birmingham, Alabama. So I started to hear about these turnkey rentals okay. where the rental value ratios were higher than 1%. And then that worked. And then I sold so the Seattle rentals and had 11 of them in 2015, 16. Yeah. 
So let me ask you this, Lane, because you said that, you know, you just reached out to a property manager and you didn't know anything about a lot of these creative strategies as far as wholesaling and things like that. So you just did the basics. Hey, let me go in. I know it's 20% down. Let me find a property, you know, on, on the MLS and hopefully a cash flow. I'm going to run it through my spreadsheet and hopefully I can make money. All right. Um, what would you tell that person today that's getting started? And if they're if they're looking to get into that first single family rental, I know you're currently doing apartments right now. But if you had to rewind the clock and go back, what would you do a little bit differently? Well, it depends on who you are. Right. And that's what I'm kind of writing in my next book, The Wealth Elevator. It mm -hmm. all depends on what you have to work with. Right. What like do you have money? If you're broke, you don't got money you have to do things to make get money because real estate is a capital intensive business. Mm -hmm. If you don't got capital, you can't play. So either have to, you know, if you, I think some people may like, look at my situation. I had a good paying job, right? Right. I was able to save 30, 40, 50 grand per year from my salary by just being kind of frugal from there. Okay. But some people don't make over 50, 60 grand a year. Some people make, don't make over a hundred grand a year. And you, if you're in the kind of what I call the basement of the wealth elevator, you either have to work on your personal finances and mm -hmm. save more money, which is I know what people don't want to hear, but that's the truth. Yep. Or if you don't make over 50, 60 grand a year, you got to find some avenue to make over that. And I'm not a big fan of college, but that's one. That's how I did it. I got a degree okay. and I got went, you know, found a professional career. But, you know, that's there's another way is, you know wholesaling houses, which okay. isn't directly aligned with real estate investing for sure, right? right? It's an mm -hmm. activity within real estate. But again, I didn't do any of that. So don't listen to us thing I'm saying with any of that. I'm just a buy and hold <laughs> okay. investor. And I was just kind of had a lucky enough to have a good paying job. And that's what I work with. So that's who okay. I'm going to, that's who I work with today and advisor, like higher paid professionals. What do they do? Or if you're a business owner or right. you, you right. run like, you know, you're running a, hundred thousand dollar marketing campaigns and you're probably making a lot more of that you know from your wholesaling business at some point you have to trade up into that first floor which is to buy rental properties mm -hmm. so so and and just to speak from my experience because i did kind of start out in that bottom basement doing transactions to make the money you know i did some wholesaling i was a realtor so i had to do a lot of transactions in order to generate that income so to, to speak to you all that are starting that don't have a lot of capital, yes, you do have to do some of those labor intensive, you know, transactional activities in order to make the money, right? To increase that, that income, you know, but like Lane said, you can get started, you know, you just have to know what you're working with. If you have capital, start with the capital. If you don't, then you have to, you know, put in sweat equity and go out there and try and find a deal. So Lane, doing your due diligence, right? You're you're on the West Coast, Northwest Territory. You decided to go into the Birmingham area, Southeast region and doing turnkey rentals. How did you start getting exposed to that? Yeah, I mean, I took the approach of buy one, get proof of concept, make sure you, the people I was working with, like the property managers, as opposed to like trusting the brokers and then the turnkey providers because hell, they just want to sell you the property, right? And right, they're, right. they're gone, right? So I bought one and the thing worked. I think it was like 950 per month is what I rented for. Okay. Bought it for 70 grand. 
but mind you, this was back in like 2000 and I want to say like 2013, 14, a long okay. time ago, right? Like today buying that same property, I haven't checked lately, but I bet you could, you buy it for like 120. Yeah, it's probably 120, like, 140. Yeah, and it rents for like maybe 10, 50 or at most, I would mm-hmm. say. So best time to buy was yesterday, right? So is what we say, but you know, it worked. And and that's how I kind of roll. Like I think to myself, right, does this logically make sense? I'd run the numbers and the, but nothing replaces like trying it out and taking that proof of concept stage and then confidently moving in after as as I said, I sold the, the Seattle properties 1031, then 211, also did Indianapolis, Pennsylvania, okay. and Atlanta too. So I kind of have a diversified portfolio back in 2016. It was kind of all set up at back then. Okay. So you were just going in, finding turnkey rentals, paying for them, and then just having a property manager do all of the legwork on the back end. So is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it, you know, it, there's nothing really turnkey about turnkey for sure. <laughs> True. And, that was going to be my next question. You're you're definitely overpaying a little bit. I mean, some of these turnkey providers are pretty like pretty ripoff for sure. Like they'll charge 10, 20 grand over asking. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of these guys will actually work with little wholesalers and get, get their inventory yep. that way and then pump up the price. But you know, they're good marketers, right? And some of them have a good track record, supposedly, of reliability. And that's why I think most investors get out of the turnkey space at some point. But you know, like I said, when you're kind of a newer investor, especially new to an area, mm-hmm. this may or may not be a bad way of going, right? At least for working professionals who are busy like myself, who didn't have the background in construction and rehab and didn't have the connections for that. You know, that was kind of my path of least resistance. But then, you know, let me tell you what it's like to own or love rentals. So, you know, maybe an eviction or two every year, some kind of big catastrophe that happens every quarter, like a tree fall on the house, some kind of flood in the basement or something like that, either natural cause or tenant cause, one of the two, right? Yeah. Um, but the property manager is supposed to handle it, but man, does it become a little bit of a chore and headache to keep them accountable, to actually keep moving on these projects when, you know, for from being on the owner side? And I quickly realized that you know, with 11 rental properties, maybe we had a few hundred dollars of cash flow per property. But mm-hmm. that was only what three thousand dollars passive a month. Today, you know, most of my clients shoot for at least ten to twenty-five thousand dollars passive in their portfolio. Okay. And if you're going off that metric, you know, you I need I needed not eleven properties, but like thirty or fifty. Thirty, fifty, yeah. 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 So you quickly realize that this is not scalable because then you'd be doing like an eviction every other month or some kind of big catastrophe happens every two weeks. Yeah. And it's just not a good way to like efficiently utilize your capital because as your property gets paid down and appreciates your return on equity goes down. And I would probably argue after five or 10 years, you should be able, should be looking to sell that asset or doing a refinance to get the equity, you know, get that, mm-hmm. that equity portion leveraged well. So your yep. return on equity can stay high. But that, you know, that's kind of where I kind of got into more syndications and private placements as I started to interact with other purely passive accredited investors at that point. Gotcha. Gotcha. So one of the things, guys, you listening here to Lane, one of the things that he's saying also is, you know, once you start doing a lot of these 
these rentals, onesie, twosie rentals, sometimes those catastrophes or those evictions, they really start eating into your cash flow. So if you're only cash flowing two to $300 a month per property, if you go through one eviction, that could be the cash flow for two properties for that quarter. And now you're back down to ground zero. So now when you were scaling lane, who did you go to? Who did you turn to to learn how to scale into more of the uh, apartment assets and doing more syndications? Yeah, I mean, I paid for one of these guru boot camps, which I'll say is kind of a ripoff, right? Like, okay. <laughs> it was probably the first time I paid for, you know, one of these like five figure plus coaching things. They just tell you the same thing. And most people, I would say 99, 90, 99% of people are not successful in these programs. It's, the total ripoff, right? It makes the makes the person who's doing the educating rich. Yeah, uh, because you know what I, like, find, what I find out. I'm sorry, Lang, and even with like some of the boot camps, what happens is, and and I'm a firm believer that sometimes people go into it with this high level of excitement, right? And they find out all of the information, and then once they find out, oh well, this is the information that I could have got over here for free. Then it the magic or the the um yeah the magic of it all starts to dissipate and then it then they don't put into action what the educator was teaching and it could be some basic concepts but they don't put into action what the uh, educator was teaching so just wanted to jump in here and kind of kind of chime in on that go ahead i'm sorry yeah no you're 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 exactly right i think a lot of times these programs they kind of prey on people's like people are trying to get somewhere right and they're trying to focus on that hope Mm-hmm. and i mean i for me it was more like i was in my like late to, or early 30s i think at the time and i was like well shoot i still gotta do something for the next decade or two even after i quit my engineering job so why not it be this right because i had been investing since 2009 and it kind of led up to this point you know i wanted to learn how to underwrite large multifamily projects too okay but you know, so I, I kind of went in there and the heart, this is the hard part. And this is what I think knocks most people out, which is the unbeatable barrier is like, you know, like the brokers control deals in multifamily world. It's not yeah. like, you know, wholesaling houses where you're going direct to seller and you're mm-hmm. doing your yellow letter stuff and you're being persistent. You're trying to like buy that property from an unsophisticated buyer. That's it. I've never done it, right? So uh-huh. I'm just, there's yep. what I hear, right? No, you know? no, but you're, it seems, you're absolutely right. right. Absolutely correct. But whereas when you're going to like an apartment owner, somebody who owns 50 units, 300 units, they're not dummy, right? They know mm-hmm. that they need to go to a broker, even if they are in a distressed position. Right. And sending yellow letters, I mean, should we get, we have like $2.1 billion, like 60 apartments. We get all these stupid yellow letters all the time. And it's a complete waste of time. Yeah. You know, it's and like, ask, it's like well, asking the girl out for a date who's already married. Well, right. some that <laughs> times that works, I guess, but it's just a waste of time. You know, it's just a different world, the commercial world. It is. And when you're dealing, like you said, when you're dealing, dealing in commercial, those are larger assets and it's not mom and pop that's controlling that asset. You know, it may be mom and pop that owned it, but like you said, they're savvy investors. They're going to go to that broker and that broker is going to be that gatekeeper and they know exactly what to look for, you know, and a letter, a yellow letter is just not going to do it. You know, for one, the, the yellow letter may not even get to the right property owners 
or, you know, the managing member of the LLC or something like that. So um, just trying to take those grassroots approach that you would do with single families and try and apply it to uh, commercial, it just doesn't work. You know, now to say that you may pop up and get someone that reach out, they may own 20 units or 30 units. Yeah, that possibly can happen. But when you're going into commercial, even in that space between 20 and 70 units, a lot of real commercial uh, investors, they don't want to deal with those properties because now you're in that twix in between, hey, do we get a property manager, on-site property management or what? So they like to go, they like to jump to, you know, a lot of times 100 units or more, that way they can have on-site property manager management to true to be truly passive and hands-off. Is that safe yeah, to say? Yeah, I mean, you, you read my mind there. I would also add in there, like what we found is getting over that 100 units is very important. And not only can we get the property manager there, but also like a, a handyman staff to knock out like mm-hmm. third-party repairs, like if not like you know you're getting when you're on a single family home you're getting beat up by these third party like plumber comes we we pay them under salary and they just knock out a work order before their first smoke break of the day and then they go tackle the hvac problem Mm -hmm. because they're hvac trained but that's that's kind of that level we want to get above but yeah a guy could get lucky in that 20 to 50 unit range but then again you know these we said it before, but like these sellers, these potential sellers are not dummies, right? And then secondly, we don't target assets that are in distress. So 80%, mm-hmm. 90% are less occupied. I don't want to touch them. Okay. So there's a big reason for that because the so, one, so why? Can't, yeah, share with us why. I don't want the headache of dealing with a property like that. Secondly, I can't qualify for good financing unless it is 90% occupied or better. Okay. Perfect. So, and and that's that's actually a great segue. What we're going to do real quick, Lane, we're going to take a brief break, hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, let's talk about commercial, the commercial space, you know, what's happening in the commercial space as far as financing, you know, as far as the economy, everything like that. So let's take a brief break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. Finding real estate deals can be a challenge, but with the batch leads, it doesn't have to be Batch Leads has created a one-stop solution for all your real estate needs. So you can find more sellers, close more deals, and maximize revenue. Batch Leads offers a comprehensive suite of lead-generating tools that cover text messaging, skip tracing, finding comps, and much more. Batch Leads help you simplify, manage, and organize all your data in one place. Batch will help you stack your lists and identify properties that appear on multiple lists and have multiple distress indicators. These sellers are likely to be highly motivated and eager to sell. Get the most powerful and complete lead generation platform in the industry. Locate sellers, buyers, and lenders nationwide in seconds. Go to batchlead.io and use promo code WELOVEEQUITY. Are you tired of seeing others becoming successful real estate investors and you just don't know where to start? You see all the Instagram posts of others being successful. You see the Facebook ads guaranteeing instant success. You look at tons of YouTube videos and you even attend seminars just to be tricked into 10, 20, or even $30,000 courses. Well, with the Deal Finders Club, my husband is here to change things for you. Have you said to yourself, I'm deadly afraid to talk to sellers and I have no confidence. I don't know where to find motivated sellers. I don't know where to get a contract from. I don't know 
how much to offer the seller, let alone where I'm going to get the money from to close the deal. Well, in the Deal Finders Club, Marcus and his partner, Mike, are going to show you how to overcome all those challenges and more. Find out how by going to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. We'll see you inside. All right, guys, we are back with Lane, a commercial investor, and we wanted to take a different approach. And we're talking about commercial investments and commercial assets. So, Lane, I'm sure you're aware you're in the industry, you're in the space. There's a lot of headwinds when it comes to commercial investing. What are you starting to see out there as far as financing? You know, I know that there's some challenging challenges with financing. What are you seeing in the market right now? Yeah, I mean, you can still get loans, but it's not loans that any like buyers are it's appealing to any buyers. The interest rates obviously have gone up, right? The Fed and jacked mm-hmm. up rates to unprecedented levels in the quickest time in history. But the the interest rates, you know, might be a percent higher than what it was. But the biggest thing is the loan to values that we're once able to get, like you know, once before able to get like seventy percent loan to value. Today, that's down to maybe fifty or fifty five percent. So wow. if I'm closing like a $30 million asset and normally I would bring you know, $12 million to the table for equity to, to close for my investors, now I'm going to need 15 16%. So not mm-hmm. only is that a bigger task, but also now that makes my projected return for my passive LPs go down, you know, maybe okay. from 100% return down to 60%, right? If you go by down by that ratio. So right now there's not a lot of buyers they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines. Probably very similar phenomenon, but for different reasons, how the res- residential buyers kind of just sitting mm-hmm. there because they, their mortgage is too high based on what it was like a couple of years ago. Right. But right. at some point that is going to change. And what I would recommend people, instead of like watching YouTube or all these like fake news sources on when the interest rates are going to come down or, or listen to Yahoo Finance, Go to like a good reputable source like Chatham Financial, who sells the rate caps that we'll buy. And, you know, because after all, they are they have skin in the game. And mm-hmm. they're kind of known as like I call them, call them like kind of like the Vegas bookies, right? They're the ones who kind of have the the probability nerds to calculate those odds. Okay. So what they're saying January of this of next year is kind of the peak of those rates. Then over the next three years, we kind of come back down to that 3%. Now, the big question mark is like, when are the buyers going to come back into the market? Right. I would probably say, you know, anywhere from January to be optimistic to maybe it comes down half a percent point, which might be in like the, the summer of next year or the end okay. of next year, right? That you just don't, you don't need interest rates to come back to where they were. Because the Fed interest rates is kind of detached from the 10-year treasury, but you need mm-hmm. the interest rates that at least there needs to be some stability, I think, from like a buyer's perspective, or at least a, a sophisticated buyer's perspective, that there's stability there, that they know that the rates are going to start to come down, let alone not right. go up from there. Right. And it's that fluctuation that, that a lot of buyers are are worried about. Like you said, hey, okay, we're we're at seven for residential right now. Will it go up? to seven and a half or seven and three quarters, or will it drop down basis point? It's it's just not knowing that uncertainty where people are kind of on the sidelines waiting. So let me ask you this, Lane, and then in speaking with commercial investors, 
are you starting to see, they talk about these notes resetting on these commercial assets. Are you starting to see more commercial assets come to market or is that just something that you, you're not seeing right now? I think like a lot of people in the industry are kind of holding on, you know, it's kind of funny. Like a lot of these guys have podcasts and they're making like, it's all peachy, you mm -hmm. know, and they may be like bleeding multiple six figures in a property and having to owners contribute in, you know, that's kind yeah. of what we've, we've always kind of taken a stance as general partners as kind of the stand behind our passive investors. So their passive investors have never lost money, no promises on that in the future. But, you know, I think, Every, despite what people see on the surface or what's put out there in kind of like social media, everybody's kind of holding their breath, right? And trying to just stay alive to 2025, especially yeah. if you have floating rate debt deals. The, right. the Also, the crunch on the other side is that expenses went up. I'm sure if you own any type of business, you feel this, right? Inflation mm -hmm. went up for 10% for a couple of years there. And then coupled with insurance, insurance probably tripled mm -hmm. and the taxes have tripled in some of these better growing areas. So with that, there went your, your cash flow, right? To exasperate the problem. Rents are still going up slightly, but nothing like how it was in 2021. Right. For sure. Right. So all this and all has kind of made us kind of rethink our strategy, which is why in 2020, we started to develop at properties ground up as a way to kind of you know, I asked the question and like, you know, before 2020, I was like, well, where are the operators, the syndicators that have been while, you know, been in business for quite some time before even the recession? The mm -hmm. truth is they get away from doing value add multifamily and they go off to greener pastures, which are like more commercial assets, more industrial, where okay. you need to write bigger checks to get into or you develop properties. And that's kind of the direction that we've taken Part of that is to kind of utilize my professional background in, in construction as a construction okay. manager, but the margins are a lot bigger. I mean, we, we buy stuff for like, or we build stuff brand new for like 190 a unit where some people are still buying that in Texas class B that's 40 years old with a big CapEx right. budget. True, true. And that's that's one of one of one of my close friends. He's a developer. And that's what he was saying that, you know, a lot of times when you're trying to do these value adds, it's better just to start ground up and build ground up because you'll save, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the project and you have a new project. The financing is more favorable, things like that. So you're you're definitely speaking the truth there, Lane. So Kind of wrapping up here, Lane, lastly, so speaking to that investor that's that's just getting started or they're looking to go from single family to commercial, what's some words of encouragement or some words of advice that you can share with them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's twofold, right? Like if you're somebody who has a lot of networks within the single family home world and you have your experience in value add and you can you have your contractors all lined up, I would probably stay stay in single family home world. And if you're somebody like me who did not do anything active in the real estate world and you are probably better with interacting with investors and, you know, kind of working with more institutional vendors, you know, like working with big family office, preferred equity type of institutional lenders and brokers, then I would say jump up to the commercial side. Okay. Right? But there's different skill sets that I think align for one or the other. Gotcha. You, could, you could go buy a hundred unit, 200 unit in the commercial side. 
or you can go do a hundred something properties, right? I, like I used to be in a high level real estate mastermind. There's only two of them out there. And, you know, a lot of very, lot, lot of home, single family home flippers and wholesalers who had multiple six figure marketing budgets and like really smart operators, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, they, they kick butt in, in the avenue that they are. And it wouldn't really translate to the commercial world, the syndication commercial world, but like, I would say there's not like a, like a keep, follow this journey. Up right, this path, right. Right. It's not like that. Okay. So but I would, but I would say is at some point, all roads lead to the path of investor path, which is buying little rental properties when your net worth is under a million dollars. And once you become a million dollar and up or a credit investor, that's when you start to invest your money passively on the side and syndications and private placements with an experienced operator who's done at least a billion dollars at deals in the past is a great way to get your money working and get the tax benefits. But all in a while, you keep your day job and your right. day job may be an engineer. It may be that, that wholesaler flipper too. Mm -hmm. But wow, you said something right there that I, I never heard anybody say. And that was, if you're going to work with a syndicator, make sure they meet this threshold where they have done, you know, a billion dollars in operations or under management. That way, you know that they're quality syndicators versus somebody that's just getting started. And we saw that happen happening this year, you know, where syndicators get out there and they start raising a bunch of money and they start buying these assets and don't have the infrastructure in place to manage, to do the turns, to do all of the construction. And then those LPs, they lose all of their money or the majority of their money. So, man, that was a great tip right there, Lane. So lastly, before signing off, Lane, how can we reach you? How can we find you? What are some ways that we can reach out to you? Yeah, if people want to learn more about passive investing with the rentals and especially syndications and a lot of the tax strategies that we'll follow. And then also credit investor banking is another technique that we'll use too. They can go to simplepassivecashflow.com, check out my podcast, Passive Real Estate Investing via Simple Passive Cashflow. And you know, if you're a credit investor, you know, shoot us an email, lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. All right, guys, you know what to do. You know what I always say, education without implementation is just information. So take this education, implement it. That way you can move along your investor journey. So Lane, thank you so much for being here on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. We wish you all the best, much success. And guys, get out there and take massive action. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com. Also, youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.